Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Boston, Massachusetts, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another uh, episode of our Learning Insights program. We're here in Boston, and today we have had some wonderful folks on, and I'm very anxious to talk to our, our next participant. Um, he is the Talent Development Leader, New England Organ Bank, and the President, ATD Central Mass, Mr. David Hofstetter. Hello and welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today. This is really great. Um, I wanted to talk with you um, particularly about the work that you are doing in bringing large company ideas and techniques to smaller companies and how they can kind of get started with some of those same things. So, so let's start there and share with us what you're doing. Sure. I, I think overall the issues, whether it's large or small company, are really pretty similar. Um, scale is different, but the issues are, are very similar. Um, and, and so some of the, some of the things that, we're, that I'm doing now are um, onboarding programs, um, leadership development programs, um, and, and things along those lines. And, and you're right. Every company, no matter what size you are, have to onboard people. They have to develop their leaders, et cetera. But com bigger companies have, you know, more dollars and more people. And so how can smaller companies take advantage of some ideas or techniques to, to get the same really great results? Yeah, so um, some of the ways that, that we do it is it's, it's all about resources and resourcefulness, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really a, a, a big difference is that large company has the resources to go out and bring in external people, outsource things, hire people, where with the smaller companies, you really need to look at it on, on who do you have internally that can do some of that same work and how do you train those people to do it. So the role for an L&D professional in a smaller company is, takes on a little bit of a different twist to it, where it's still instructional design, it's still leadership, it's still all of those things, but you have to act a lot more as an internal consultant to teach others how to, how to pick up some of those pieces. Wow, absolutely. So what are some of the trends that you see in the learning and development field? Um, just that. I think a, a big one is the skill set. Is, is changing very rapidly um, for, for L&D professionals. And, and in that, that I know from my perspective, we're using a lot more quality tools um, and a lot more consulting skills than we did in the past. When you say quality tools, what do you mean by that? So a lot of the quality initiatives um, that, are, that are out there, the quality tools like um, right now we just finished doing a re-engineering project on our new higher learning program. Um, so we use that. We use VSM, a value stream mapping process. We use five whys to determine what the root cause is. So we use root cause analysis. We use a lot of those different types of quality tools now versus just asking why right. and, and taking an order. So how are you able, uh, I, I love that you said you're trying to infuse learning professionals with more consulting skills. Um, how are you able to do that? Because there's there's lots of parts of an organization, um, HR is, comes to mind, that, that want to infuse more consulting skills into the work that they do. Yeah, so it, it, again, it's that professional development route for learning professionals and for HR professionals of 
Um, how do we how do we get them to the place we need them to be? So we use it, it, in our my organization we use um, our quality department to actually teach those tools, or we'll bring somebody in from outside to teach those tools, so that we have that skill set. So, for example, we ran um, a little while ago we actually ran a green belt training for managers, so that everybody's got the same language, everybody's talking the same terminology. Right. Um, I was wondering. Um, how do you how do small businesses acquire some of those additional resources if if they are a small business and they don't have large staff? Yeah, the, really through um, a, a variety of ways. There's enough knowledge out there now and enough opportunity out there that that people really can take advantage of it when they look for it. There's free webinars constantly on pretty much every topic you could possibly think of. There's association meetings on a monthly basis, whether it's a quality one or whether it's ATD or, or what, whatever the topic is. The HR ones, there's always ongoing um, monthly, monthly meetings and meetups and, and those kinds of things. So getting the, the source, again, getting that information is relatively easy when you, when you have a plan to do that. And again, it comes to resource versus resourcefulness. Right. I love that. Um, so you mentioned ATD. You are the president of ATD Central Mass. Um, and we have with us Dan Collier, who is the president-elect for Boston ATD, That's right? That's correct. Um, so I know that ATD recently changed their name. They were ASTD, now they're ATD. Can you talk a little bit about what you think that transition means for the membership? Sure. I, I think the transition was, was the right transition to make now. Um, learning and development has evolved, as I said a, a minute ago, so much that it's incorporating so many other avenues now that, that they really did need to align differently than they had been. Um, in the past, you had instructional design, you had facilitation, you had development, you had all of those types of things. Now, when you look at the, the competency model of, of learning and development through ATD, it's coaching, it's knowledge um, transfer, it's, it's um, performance management technology. It's, it's just evolved so much and it touches on so many different places that, that talent development really does sum up what, what it is now. Right. I think it's fascinating. It's, it's the whole hire to retire gamut. Yeah. Um, you talked about onboarding and, and focusing on retention through learning. And so I see the whole ATD thing is, is really powerful. Um, before we went on air, we were talking just a minute about the collaboration between the different ATD chapters here in Massachusetts. Can the two of you talk a little bit about that integration and that collaboration? Um, sure. I, I was sharing, um, David and I were recently uh, attending the chapter leader conference in Washington, D.C. for ATD a, a few weeks ago, and we took advantage of carving out about an hour of time in, in that uh, event for all of the chapters from New England to come together and talk about you know, where we stood as independent chapters, but what did we have to gain by collaborating more? And we put together a reciprocal programs where uh, I think we called it join one, attend many. So it doesn't matter what chapter you're, you're a member of, you can attend uh, events at every chapter for a member price. Um, and really start to build on not just around our membership, but start to look at what are we doing about sharing information about our speakers and presenters and our programs that are very successful or not 
and how do we share that information? Uh, there may even be an opportunity where we can leverage regional sponsors, you know, organizations that want to invest in sponsorship with us and want to take advantage of the fact that, that they can be in Central Mass in, in November, in Boston in December, and perhaps New Hampshire in, in January for a, a discounted rate. And how, do, how do we really leverage? You know, for ATD, the chapters in New England have a proximity that in a lot of cases are closer than they are in bigger states, right? Right. And so each of our chapters could actually be a gig of each other, right? <laughs> um, so we, we were able to, to kind of build on that. But I think a lot of it has to do with the leadership that's in these chapters now in New England, and there's a, a, a real appetite for partnering. Yeah, and, and I think to add on to that, Dan, it, it's also about the value to the to the membership, right? We're not in competition with each other. We never have been in competition with each other. And it's about bringing value to our member bases. And, it, and if the one-to-many brings that value to them, then then we should absolutely be looking at that. Um, the, 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 the proximity is, is challenging at times, but that's okay because we have our programs in Western, Met Central and Western Mass, and you've got yours in Boston, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island are, are in theirs. But again, if there's something of value to the membership and they perceive that to be valuable, then we absolutely should be be, be looking at doing that. We already do a regional conference every year for 200 people, which is a spectacular day. Absolutely is. And and this population of learning professionals, they, they seem to be so collaborative um, and, and willing to share and help each other out. Um, do you find that to be the case with the folks that you're working with? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I think there's there's a real hunger for people to be with like people. And and so I think that is is critical for these for these meetings and that's one of the reasons that that they show up for these meetings. The topic could be great, but they want to be around other people that are experiencing the same things that they're experiencing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you seem to have an awful lot of experience in this field. Um how did you get started? How did you get here? I actually got here by mistake or by accident, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think many of us did over the years. And that was, um, I was in management roles um, a, a while ago. I won't say how long ago, but I was in management roles and I was just frustrated that my employees weren't, didn't have the skill sets that they were, that they should have had. And, and so I always took it upon myself to kind of say, okay, we've got to do an offline training session today, or we've got to do this and I've got to get you ramped up and, 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 and those types of things. So, um, it really started by accident and, and not knowing that there's actually a field that you can do this in and make a living doing it. Right. And, and so I did find it. And um, the rest, as they say, I guess it's just <laughs> history. So what do you see as, as coming down the pike um, in the next three to five years? What are the big changes that you are anticipating from a learning perspective? I think there's a lot of changes coming down the pike. When you look back the last five to 10 years of this industry and, and look at where we are now, we just talked about the competency change at ATD, the name change and, and all of those. I think that's just gonna keep expanding. The technology is changing so quickly that the skill sets are gonna change so quickly that, that, that um, you know the software that you're using now didn't exist three years ago and, and what we're using now isn't gonna exist in three years from now. And so how do you prepare for that? And, and, and I think that from an L&D professional is going to be the critical question, which is why I think looking at using standard tools but being able to teach them and push them out to the organization is going to be really important of 
of you know those quality tools, the consulting tools, coaching and mentoring is huge coming up. And I think that's how we're going to do that. I think the trend is going to be when you look at the workforce going forward, that's changing. How do you how do you now train to a more collaborative, dispersed workplace? It used to be that you'd have teams dispersed, which was great, but now you've got half of the team is outsourced, half of them are are insourced, half of them are on loan from another place. So you've got that whole collaborative thing um, going on. So it's really a question of of using coaching, using mentoring, using technology, using knowledge transfer, um, performance management tools. I think are going to be huge going forward. You look at learning management systems over the last five years that, that were just a learning management system. Now they're a talent development system, and they incorporate performance improvement. I think L&D professionals need to really get entrenched into that performance component. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because um, for those who might be listening that don't really understand what you just said about you've got LMS, you've got performance management systems. In most companies, the two never meet. Um, and talking about embedding all of that, can you just help our listeners understand a little bit more about that? Sure. So from a performance management standpoint, and, and I'll give you an example of, of where we just went from, we always did an annual appraisal in our organization, which most organizations do. Two years ago, we started a project to eliminate them. And, and everybody was, how are we going to measure? How are we going to measure? And I said, well, what's the data that we want to measure? And that's the first question that you want to ask is, what do you want to measure? Well, we want to measure their goals. Okay, so let's start working on goal setting. And so we put together a program to, to incorporate goal setting. And over the years have phased out. This will be our last year of doing a paper appraisal system. We now have monthly coaching sessions. Employee and manager meet on a month, at least a monthly basis. Um, some of the smaller departments, one or two employees may meet quarterly or every other month, but they're meeting on a regular basis. And it's truly an open conversation about what's working well, what's not working well. Here's where you are with your goals. The goals are posted for everybody in the organization to see from everybody's goals from the senior leadership team all the way down to a driver's. The goals are all posted and they're updated on a monthly basis or when the data is ready. Um, everybody can see those. And what happens is that the conversation's now not around performance, it's around what can I do to help you meet that goal because the department's dependent upon it. You've got a piece of it, we've all got a piece of it. So it's a really good question to ask. And then the manager, how can I help you do that? So it's a true coaching conversation in a two-way street and they're based solely on their goals. Right, a couple things are coming to my mind. Um, <laughs> the idea that, go that everyone's goals are visible um, what I call that is working out loud. Mm -hmm. yes. um, how do you get a culture to get comfortable with working out loud? Yeah, it's it's a new, it's a fairly new <laughs> process for us. So um, they've never been a secret in the organization because they're departmental goals and everybody's got a piece of that departmental goal. So they're not one-off, they're typically not one-off goals where you may be judged one way, somebody else is going to be the other way. It's the department goal, and everybody's got 10% of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it, it is thinking out loud, and it is all open in that way. So if your individual metric is falling behind, that's that monthly conversation of what can we do to help you get there. Right. And you talk about, you've, I think you mentioned that you've been trans making this transition over the last three years? Uh, two years, yeah. Last two years? Yeah. Um, yeah. What have you seen? What has the organization seen and experienced over these two years of moving away from having an annual performance review? Yeah, 
um, cheers, cartwheels <laughs> up and down hallways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People have been very excited about it. They right. don't like doing self appraisals. They just don't like talking about themselves in that way. They don't like sitting down that once a year. If you've got something to say to me, why don't you say it to me when it's occurring? Which we did. We have that culture anyways. Um, that just was one more step of if we're doing that anyways, why do we need to do it once a year? Right. Um, so we really looked at it and, and we looked at it from the employee's perspective. We looked at it from an HR perspective and we looked at it from um, a risk assessment and a legal assessment, right, of do we need to have that documentation? And the answer was no, we really don't. As long as there's an issue that's documented as the issue's occurring, we're good. And, and we do have that documentation of those monthly meetings. We've asked people to keep notes on them and so we have it. I was going to ask, did you have to go through a, a different management to, management training to to enable managers to execute this new program effectively. Yes, and, and it's ongoing, and, and, and it should be ongoing. We talk about we've implemented a system that tracks the goals for us, so that, that part's easy. We trained, on, we trained on that. We've trained on um, communication skills, how to have those coaching conversations, how to have hard conversations, and that's all ongoing. On ongoing things. We've gotten pretty good at it. Um, like I said, we're a pretty small organization, so it's easy to have those conversations. Um, but yeah, it's still ongoing and it always, it, it, and I hope it never will end right? because there's always things to talk about on how to have good conversations. Do you think that coaching has become more prevalent, more important in the L&D field than it used to be? Yeah, I, I, it has. Maybe it, it more important is not the right word, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure more important is the right word. I think it's something that we've always done. We just never really had a name for it and, and, and a process for it. And, and so now we're looking at bringing in those processes for it. Right. And it's so hard to transfer something if you don't really have the process. It makes it so much more easy to transfer the knowledge if you have, have some kind of a framework or process to, to transfer. Ab absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Um. If, if you have advice, what advice do you have for, for people that are kind of starting out um, in the talent development arena? Um, I know there's lots of, of work streams in, the, in that area, <laughs> yeah. but um, what advice do you have for people that are relatively new to the career or starting out? What are the things that they need to be paying attention to? Yeah, I think this is just an incredibly exciting time to start in this field. Um, but I've been saying that for a, for a long time because, <laughs> because it is one of those fields that just evolves constantly. You know, when we were talking a little while ago about how, how long I've been doing this, I actually remember the first signs of, of computer-based training coming out, right? And I look at where we are now with Articulate and Storyline and Captivate and Electra and all of those things, right? And, and, and as I said, I think those are just going to evolve. But, but as, as the demand for quicker, faster gets more prevalent and, and, and the challenges get bigger um, as far as how do we train you know, a, a diverse workforce that is scattered all over and some of them are working part-time, some of them are working full-time, some are staff, some aren't staff. How do we start training those? And I think learning all of the competencies that, that are out there now through coaching and performance technologies and, and all of those things just makes it an incredibly exciting time. We've always said that this field has always been part science, part art right now it's more than ever and it's just glaring that it, it's really a part science and part art right. um, field which makes it very exciting it's not a desk job anymore and and with all these changes and this is really a question for both of you 
With all of the changes in this field, technology, etc., how do you see the role of ATD in serving this market? How do you see that changing? Yeah, I, I think the changes, I'll, I'll speak for myself, that, that ATD is always, when it was ASTD, was always there and it was kind of a resource for you. Um, they had some things they offered. They did an annual conference. They did some other They had a magazine. Everybody yeah, knew yeah, it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think now it's becoming more prevalent because the industry has changed so much that they really are trying to become a resource for all of these things for people. So it really is one-stop shopping now. And I know when I have a question come up or I have a situation that I want research done on, that's really my first spot stop now is, is going to that website and starting to poke around or contacting our contact there to find out how what's happening, where can I go for more information. And they've really become a value-based resource, um, not just for the chapters, but for people that are members of the association. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think especially important to me is the fact that ATD or ASTD um, has been able to open their focus and their spectrum as the industry has changed and and so their communities of practice and you know the areas of certification and all of the support that they they get ready they they stay in tune with what's going on out in the field so that they're ready to keep evolving the way that david described the the industry is evolving i right. mean the the organization's been around 70 years and and you know there's a reason why right Exactly. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you coming by today. And I didn't get to talk about, there's lots of things I didn't get to talk about. So I hope that you'll be, you'll consider coming back when, when we come back to, to Boston again. But before we wrap up, can you share, how can listeners get in touch with you or, uh, or get in touch with ATD to learn more about the work that you're doing or to be more involved? Sure. They can get in touch with me at david at learninganddevelopmentpro.com. Or um, they can also reach me through a, a phone number, which is 617-512-4141. And I'd be glad to talk to them about the chapter. I'd be glad to talk to them about the work. I love talking about it. So. <laughs> that, well, that's obvious, and it's wonderful work that you're doing. I really do appreciate that you were here today. Um, thank you for setting this up. Um, and for all of those with Business Radio X family and, uh, and our friends at Training Pros, we'll call it a wrap uh, for Learning Insights. We'll be back in a few. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.